Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is preaching the Old Testament. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up those knitting needles or crochet hooks and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, Old Testament. I will admit that this is somewhat inspired by the current weather patterns we're having this summer. (laughs) They seem slightly biblical with the fires, the floods, and the high, high heat and heat waves. Yeah. Yeah. Prayers for all of the firefighters and support personnel and families dealing with everything in southern and eastern Oregon. If you look at the map of the wildfires right now in Oregon, it's just... Pretty crazy. It's really scary. Mm -hmm. And... uh, for the folks I know down in Southern Oregon, where I used to live in the bowl that is the Rogue Valley, mm-hmm. where the inversion layer just traps all that smoke in that valley, <sighs> all my sympathies. Mm-hmm. It's really awful. Yes, and the flooding on the East Coast, and it's some sort yeah. of heat wave in the Arctic in Sweden, and I'm yeah. telling y'all, if you see a whole horde of crickets and whatnot, <laughs> run. If you see four horsemen coming by, <laughs> beware. Oh, dear. So back to the actual Old Testament. (laughs) We have, at least in the Lutheran Church, readings from both the Old Testament and the New Testament if you follow the lectionary. That's right. And you do all of the readings every week. Yep. So how much do you then preach from the Old Testament? Very little, actually. Yeah, it's really interesting. So like Donna said, we have the Revised Common Lectionary. We've done several podcasts on that, but if you're just starting out with us... That means that our readings are set for us. We do not choose them, and they're in a three-year cycle. And every single Sunday, there is a prescribed Old Testament psalm, epistle, or reading from the Book of Acts, and then a gospel passage. And I would say that in my 12 years of ministry, almost 12 and a half now, I very rarely actually fully just preach on the Old Testament lesson. Yeah? Yeah. Not even the big ones that we tend to know fairly well, like Genesis or Flood. Yeah, I really haven't. I think I have done like a, maybe a children's sermon here or there. Okay. Where I've talked about some of that stuff or... Maybe I've done one or two sermons where I kind of call out. I've done a couple where I've specifically done psalms. As we know, we just wrapped up a six-week section on the psalms here, so I'm kind of a nerd about those, and I love them. Mm -hmm. So I've done a couple of sermons that are just 100% like a psalm or teaching some of what I did in those six weeks of our podcasts. So sometimes I've done that, and sometimes I'll be able to wrap some of what's in the Old Testament into the sermon that kind of combines and nods to and holds alongside of the gospel passage. Uh-huh. But it's pretty rare that I actually just preach on the Old Testament or also called the Hebrew scriptures mm-hmm. so that we can get rid of that old and new kind of language. But the Hebrew scriptures, I really occasionally will preach on, but not much. I mean, I get that, especially... In the Christian faith, the focus is going to be on the New Testament, but is there not as much value in the writings of the Hebrew Scripture then? I don't think that's it. I think that Lutherans in particular, and you'll find this, I think, in different denominations. Different denominations kind of have their lens, their focus, their go-to on where they pull from, and I think a lot of non-denoms are, I'll take that Christian speak out, apologies, non-denominational churches 
I think a lot of them maybe focus on writings from Paul. Okay. And the letters to the church on how to be the church and how to live out being the church. They oftentimes preach from those sections. So Romans and Corinthians and Thessalonians and all those kinds of things, if you hear of them. But Lutherans lean really, really, really heavily on preaching the Gospels. So those are the ones, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell the story of Jesus and his life. And I think the congregations that I have served have all wanted to hear from the Gospel as the heartbeat of the sermon. Okay. And so whenever I have chosen to not use the gospel as the heartbeat of the sermon, when I've chosen to use an epistle, one of those letters, Uh or when I've chosen to use an Old Testament, a Hebrew scripture passage as the heartbeat, inevitably, if I do that for too many weeks in a row or if I do that too often, I'll start getting people saying, Really? Well, why aren't you preaching about Jesus? It never would have occurred to me to question that. And I'm not sure if it's because I would necessarily assume that the pastor is infallible and would know best. <laughs> Your Catholic upbringing's coming exactly. out right Exactly. Or I'm just not paying enough attention to where the sermon is coming from in terms of which of the readings. Yeah. I don't know. And it's interesting because I think that sometimes there's so much within the Hebrew scripture that is rich and speaks to the good news. I mean, it, if you take that word gospel as being the good news Mm -hmm. of God's love in this world and God's love for the world and desires for the world. Preaching the good news is, it can come from anywhere in our scriptures. I don't think it has to be limited to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in order for it to speak to the good news of God and what God has done through Christ and those kinds of pieces. And for many members within our pews within the Lutheran tradition, Mm -hmm. you really got to hit Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, fascinating. So I would say I have been very intentional, especially the first time through the full cycle. So the first three years of my ministry with any congregation to stick to the gospels. Sure. That makes sense. And preach the full cycle all the way through once, just preaching from the gospels. Even if a Hebrew scripture is really calling, I've chosen to go with the gospel text. And it's also the one that the pastor reads. And the Hebrew scripture is read much earlier in the service. Much earlier in the service. So sometimes it's really hard when you have a gospel text that is either really powerful or really image rich or really shocking. And then to say, so yeah, I just read that, but I'm actually not going to preach on that. I'm going to preach on the thing that you heard 10 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. It gets kind of disconjointed. Well, one of my questions to you was going to be how you decide Old Testament versus New Testament. And you've somewhat answered it, but once you get past that full cycle, does it pop up more or is it still somewhat what the mood strikes, what the current climate says to you? It's always within context. So preaching is always done within context of congregation Mm -hmm. and culture and time. So someone said, you know, you should preach with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. <laughs> okay. So that it's tied to current context. It's tied to what is happening right now in your world. There are very few sermons that I do that, I mean, there are a couple of them that can be used anytime, any place. Sure. The core concept is there enough that it could be used anytime, any place. An evergreen topic, as it were. Yeah. 
Or, you know, it was written early enough in my ministry that it was fairly generic, Mm -hmm. to be fair. And I can bring those out and retool them and keep the same central heartbeat and retool it to the context and reuse it if I need to. But at the same time, I have gotten to a point in my ministry where things are probably so specifically contextual that I couldn't re-pull it and reuse it again. And So in seminary then, did you cover the Old Testament at all? I'm sure you did, but probably not at the same length that you covered New Testament stuff. I think it was about a 50-50. I think I would say that we had as many required courses in the Hebrew scripture as we had required courses in the Greek scriptures. I would say that for myself, the first Bible class I took was on the Pentateuch, which are the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh And that was my very first introduction to the Bible was taking that class with Dr. Gold at 8 a.m. in the morning where I am so vastly effective. Nice. Which is totally not true. I'm a terrible morning person. So and, you got a lot out of this class is what you're saying. clearly got a ton out of it, but it was a good class. It was a very solid class. And he taught at an appropriate level for people coming in kind of new. Mm-hmm. He was really good about that. Unfortunately, my professor in the prophets, when I took that class, it was so high over my head. The professor was one of those professors that should only really be teaching doctoral level courses. Oh my. And he was stuck teaching an intro to the prophets class. And it was so over my head. I could not comprehend what was going on because I just had no clue. I had no basis for understanding. And it was really bad. And I would say I just really lucked out with my Greek scripture professors. Okay. I had some amazing professors in New Testament studies. And so their teaching style really resonated with me in a way that stuck deeper. Now, my Psalms course, right, was an exception. Sure. He was another great professor. But I would say it's taught even even. And you can take your electives, your elective biblical study classes in any of them. I happen to take my elective in Gospels. Okay. I find it fascinating that it's so evenly split there and yet doesn't seem to be that evenly split elsewhere. Although I'm assuming, rightly or unrightly so, that the Old Testament shows up more pop culturally. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, there's so much more in the Hebrew Scripture, right? Mm -hmm. It's a vastly larger library. Mm -hmm. And it has a longer history. Mm-hmm. than the Greek scripture does. So I think there's a lot to it. I think that I personally did not luck out with a professor who had a pretty big chunk sure. of the scripture to teach. What about then when you go to teach stuff to any congregation, either the people who are going through confirmation or mm-hmm. any Lenten studies, do you find it useful to pull any Old Testament stuff or do you stick to the new? I actually really like using the Hebrew scriptures for those classes because we don't use it very much okay. in the sanctuary. And that means that a lot of our people don't have a ton of history within it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of Sunday school understanding of it, like children's Sunday school understanding mm-hmm. of the Hebrew scripture. We might know the story of David and Goliath, or we might know the story you know, of Noah's Ark. But, Jonah but, and the whale. Jonah and the whale. Mm-hmm. But we know it from vacation Bible schools. Mm-hmm. And we know it from like, 
being a kid in Vacation Bible School or maybe even a volunteer adult in Vacation Bible School, but it's still the same level Mm -hmm. of teaching to six to 10 year olds. Sure. Which is a very different level of understanding than you can have when you're 35. Sure. And so it's kind of interesting to sit down and run an adult education series on the Bible stories we think we know. Mm, I like the title of that too. And then sit down with them and really read them as adults with a critical eye and tearing apart what we think we know about these things and how it's actually quite different. And that can be really fun and really rich, but it's hard to do that in a 12 minute sermon on a Sunday morning. I get that. It's much easier to do that in a 45 minute to an hour class with conversation and question and answer and all those good things. I'm going to pick up on something that you mentioned about vacation Bible school, knowing that you have a pretty good understanding of what VeggieTales is. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that another one where they tend to do either half and half or more Old Testament for young kids? The classic Veggie Tales prior to Jonah and the Whale, but prior to the movie, okay. when Phil Vischer was still the CEO and in creative control and before Big Idea was purchased out by Lyric. Okay. If any of you are interested, there's a great book on that called Me, Myself, and Bob that Phil Vischer wrote. Highly recommend that. Great book on Christian leadership. Great book on chasing dreams and falling. Mm-hmm. And trying again. But the early Veggie Tales, they did mostly Hebrew scripture mm-hmm. and Hebrew scripture stories. And they did a great job of it because they would actually keep most of the core part of the lesson mm-hmm. and a core part of the story and represent it in ways that are different, right? So, like the David and Bathsheba story. And for those who don't know the David and Bathsheba story, It's the story of this king who sees his neighbor's wife taking a bath across the way and falls in lust with her Mm -hmm. and arranges things in such a manner that he has an affair with her, has her husband killed on the front lines, and then marries her, gets called out by a prophet, and eventually the child of that relationship died mm-hmm. and he loses that child mourns and that but then they continue on in their marriage and Bathsheba remains his wife not a pretty story right no really really hard this is why it's fascinating to me that it gets pitched more towards children because some of these are from brutal brutal stories oh yeah Veggie Tales did this one King George and the Ducky uh-huh and what is seen across the wayside is a rubber ducky Mm-hmm. instead of a woman. Mm-hmm. And you go through the entire, the rest of the story fairly accurately, including mm-hmm. like this beautiful, like Nathan the prophet comes in to tell the story and they do almost word for word of the part of the story where Nathan the prophet tells the king what he's done and how evil and wrong it is. And it's a great tool for teaching in the sense that even teenagers they think they're getting away with not learning anything for the uh-huh. day because they're watching Veggie Tales. Uh-huh. And then you can pause it and say, okay, this is what actually happened. The character in Veggie Tales goes to the front of the pie wars and gets hit with a pie in the face and is never the same. The difference is in the scripture, he's killed mm-hmm. and he never comes back. And so you can give that piece of the story to the older audience and they'll go, oh. Mm-hmm. But they're getting it in a fairly great way. So those 
early videos do a lot of retelling of those stories in fairly accurate ways, surprisingly. Nice. Now that you're 12 years in Mm -hmm. and in the current climate that we're at, Mm -hmm. does the Old Testament seem more usable and useful in your preaching? Hmm. In some ways, I think part of that is additional study that I've done. Okay. I know more about the Hebrew scriptures than I did 12 years ago. Sure. And so it's more useful now. I think that there are pieces of the prophets that are more and more useful as you learn more and more about how it can be used. Okay. And prophets are not fortune tellers. Prophets are truth speakers. Oh, there's an interesting distinction. That's a big difference. When we think of prophets, oftentimes we're like, oh, they're a fortune teller. No, they're not a fortune teller. They're not. I think we're going to have to do a podcast on the prophets sometime. We could. And I would need a little warning just so that I get some more information Mm because I'm still learning about them, Mm -hmm. right? They're a really powerful, huge group to learn about. But they're truth speakers. They're individuals who read the signs of the times, who see things that are happening, and then they speak the truth about what could happen if we keep down the same path. Mm -hmm. So think of it like your best friend who knows you and loves you and sees you doing the self-destructive things that they know because they have known you for a long time and they love you dearly. They know what can happen mm-hmm. if you continue X, Y, or Z. And so they call you on it. Mm-hmm. And they say, you know, I really love you, but I'm seeing a whole bunch of new clothes in your wardrobe, in your selfies. And that's a lot of spending. And oftentimes when you go down that path, buying a lot of different things, you really regret it in a couple months because you don't have enough for something else that you've really wanted. Mm-hmm. And I love you, but if you keep down this, you're going to be really miserable in a couple months. And typically your response is, oh, shut up. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And there's deep truth in it. And they can call you out on it. So that's what a prophet really is. And I think that there's a lot in the prophet section of the Hebrew scripture that can speak to us now and speak to us in all times. But I think in North America right now, we're certainly at a place in a space where we can start to hear if we keep down some certain paths, Mm -hmm. there's a lot that can happen. Mm -hmm. And we aren't going to like hearing that kind of a message right now. No, you never do. So there's a lot in the prophets to learn from, and there's a lot to be preached about Prophets are also never welcome. (laughs) No. Never be a prophet in your own hometown. It seems to me that parables aside, there's a certain amount of the Old Testament that seems more human and more relatable, Hmm. which is why I'm always fascinated by it. But you really don't get a lot of it on Sunday morning. Well, the Hebrew scriptures are really stories about things rather than letters about how to be something. That makes sense. A lot of our Greek scripture is... So this is how you're going to be a church. This is how you're going to live the faith. This is what you're going to do. It's not a lot of, here's the story of this really amazing thing that happened. Sure. And the Hebrew stories really are these great, rich stories of, you know, if you want a historic uh, daily soap opera type thing, <laughs> read First and Second Samuel, yeah. you know? It's got everything in there. It's one of the original Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. truly. Like they're fighting over who's going to get to be king, and there's mm-hmm. 
It's some interesting, bold, bloody... Totally. Topics. Yep. Well, that all said, it's leading me to my last question. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy teaching the Old Testament, or are you more happy just sticking with the New Testament stuff? I enjoy it. It's a lot more work. Oh, sure. On my end. Because... Because of the research, I'm guessing. Because of the research. And because there's so much, as far as the Greek scriptures go, there's already so much available. And, you know, with this many years of focus on teaching from that area, I have just more knowledge in it. The Hebrew scriptures, I also sometimes get really nervous about teaching and preaching because I want to respect their deep tradition within the Jewish faith. Oh, sure. That's fair. And I understand that the Christian co-opting of those scriptures has a very different understanding of them than perhaps our Jewish brothers and sisters do. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I get a little anxious and nervous about presenting something with any kind of authority when I don't necessarily know that I feel like I have an authority on those. Mm -hmm. So it's hard. It's harder. It's definitely rewarding. And they're really brilliant and they're beautiful and they're rich, but it's hard stuff. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about preaching the Old Testament. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And I hope that folks are staying as safe as possible in the currently biblical heat and fires and all those things. Take care of yourselves, be kind to one another, and stay hydrated out there. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us on Facebook or by sending an email at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you, no matter what.